I'll let you into a little secret. Sally Lazarus is in fact my wife of 30 years. For the majority of that time, she was Special Educational Needs Coordinator, or SENCO, in a mainstream school in North London, where she ensured that children with physical and emotional learning disabilities could access the curriculum in the classroom and school environment. She recently took early retirement to set up her own consultancy, Yellow Sun, to help support parents of children with special needs, primarily ADHD, to manage their behaviour, relationships and learning. Yellow Sun is a young business but is going from strength to strength with one-on-one -on -one and group support, online courses, books, seminars, in-school training and away day retreats for parents. Listen in and find out why Solly is so totally passionate about her work. I'm Steve Lazarus and this is Your London Legacy. Well, this is a thrill. I'm delighted to have on the podcast today none other than my wife. <laughs> Hello. Solly Lazarus. Well, it's very nice to be here. Thank you for asking me. It's an absolute pleasure. And I never thought I'd be interviewing my own <laughs> wife for anything, let alone my own podcast, Your London Legacy. But I think um, you fit the bill perfectly for Thank you. everything that Your London Legacy stands for and what we're trying to achieve and the information and entertainment um, that we're trying to get out to our listeners. So thank you for joining me oh, at okay. home today in the shed, um, which has been converted into the Your London Legacy studio. So you are also the first guest that we've had on the show who is sitting comfortably in one of our lovely cosy sofas. I must say this is very cosy. Which you chose. I, yes, you yes. chose. So. But it's very comfortable and very cosy. It's nice to be here. Thank you. Well, it's an absolute thrill. I think before we start, it might be useful for you just to explain how you got the name Solly, because well. those of us in the know know Solly is in fact not your real name. It's not my real name. So just many years ago, when when we first started dating, sort of 30 odd years ago, <laughs> do you know, it's quite embarrassing even to say, but I'll say. So it was, uh, I guess it's just because I smile a lot, I giggle a lot. And just, it was a friend of ours, just nicknamed me Solly from the French Sunshine Soleil. So that's it. And it's just stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you shouldn't be embarrassed about it because it's obviously part and parcel of who you are. And in fact, I think it leads neatly into what we're going to talk about, which is mm. your business, which you've recently set up yeah. um, for children who have special needs and parents of children who have special needs. And if it, if it weren't for your personality, which is a sunny of a sunny disposition you wouldn't be the person you are and have set up the business that you have so I think well, it's absolutely relevant and that's why I think I probably asked the question right at the beginning because okay. everybody who knows you in recent years knows you as Solly whereas your real name is Suzanne which well, I, know, I, I know I know you don't really like that but <laughs> no. you know your parents named you Suzanne so you're Solly well having got that out of the way I think what is important to get from you first off is you're involved, was we already touched on the fact that you're now heavily involved with children with special needs and helping parents of children who have special needs, but you've been involved in the education system for 30 odd years? Yeah, 30 years. So really teaching is all I've ever done. Uh, when I qualified back in 1986, I went straight into schools, um, worked my way up, um, eventually, I became um, the assistant SENCO, which is the Special Educational Needs Coordinator, um, right up until last April. And I loved it. I loved being in schools. I loved being with the children. I loved the atmosphere of school. I loved what I did. But the last five years, 
I started just to think, I just don't want to be here anymore. And you know, I'm actually quite an emotional person and I can feel I'm welling up already. You could have fooled uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, well, you know, like every holiday, I'd just cry that I I didn't want to go back. And it, it wasn't because I, I hated teaching because I love teaching, but it became something that wasn't what it was when I first started it um it's so bureaucratic so target driven and I just didn't you know, the the just the psychobabble of of a staff room and the the language is I just didn't want to do it anymore and, and I think the other reason why I wanted to just change what I was doing is that so I mean you might come across we might touch upon it in a little while but we are parents of a child with ADHD and I felt that I was talking to parents as my role as a Senko and then I thought well we're doing quite a lot and we're doing quite well in school but holidays and weekends sending these children off home with no plan with no strategies or or help for these parents and I could just see they were just suffering so I started to think like over this last five years I, I don't want to do it from within school I want to do it from outside mm. school just take a step back you, the schools you worked in were all yeah. London based schools all yeah. primary schools yeah all primary schools in London and yeah. I think the last school you worked at you worked at by a long chalk, but that was the longest for, for many yes. years. How many years were you at the last um, school? I think it was 25. 25 yeah, years. Yeah, 100%. And before that, there was two or three other schools, I think. Yeah, right? and but, I was part of a service where we went into schools and delivered uh, support for children with um, special needs. So were you involved with kids with what we call special needs right from the off? No, so initially I was a class teacher um, in a, a primary school. And how life throws you a curveball so something happened in our life that um i had to give up work very very quickly well i, uh, I guess it shouldn't be a secret, <laughs> okay. secret to me <laughs> so you might want to tell the listeners um, it's fine you can yeah. you can say what you want this is an open, so, open obviously we you've you've mentioned in a previous podcast that your sister yeah, is Lorraine, my sister, yeah. she became pregnant mm-hmm. And we decided to adopt the little baby, yeah. which is our son. And we hadn't been married all that long, had we? Um, well, I think when he was born, we actually weren't married. Yeah. So it was all very early on in our in our married lives uh-huh. that our son came into our world. And as things happen and, and worlds collide. So when I first started teaching, I, I sort of got those children who are a bit quirky and a bit different. And I sort of understood those children and I, and I was able to sort of naturally support and help those children. And then a few years later, along came our son, who very early on, we sort of saw that there were difficulties. And um, a lot of it was, well, maybe it's because he was adopted and he'd lived in foster care for the first 14 months of his sure. life. So we, you know, we, we didn't know what those difficulties uh, could be but when and he... being our first child as well I suppose having no parenting skills nothing yeah. to compare it to yes we didn't know whether the behavior was was normal exactly or, or otherwise yeah. so and we you were know, so young and we were very young as yeah. well young I mean, and naive <laughs> you're looking back now honestly and uh, 
And also because we didn't really have any preparation and it was almost almost overnight wasn't it that we um, suddenly were parents Mm. we didn't have that nine months of pregnancy to to sort of get used to it so anyway he came along in our lives and um and at the time you were teaching in mainstream primary school yep just uh, as a classroom teacher not teaching kids particularly with no, special needs no. or who were statemented as it was called in yeah. those days no just a, a general class teacher um and as i say i for some reason i i was able just to tap into these these special children i i sort of got it and then yes yeah, so our son came along mm-hmm. when he was eight he was diagnosed with adhd which is a ten- attention deficit hyperactivity disorder although the people in the know hate that term because that even the word disorder conjures up an image of wrongness. As opposed that, to disordered thinking. Of, exactly, of the mind. Yeah. exactly. Anyway, so he was diagnosed. Do and, you recall, just stop you yes, there for a minute. So yeah. I don't normally interrupt you. I'm not it's normally okay. allowed to, but this is my show. <laughs> <laughs> Do you recall how we went about getting, not that we were looking for a label, but how we managed um, to get a diagnosis? In other words, the difficulty we had at the time, because he's now 30 odd so we're going back 12 um 22 years yes. trying to find somebody who understood yeah. the symptoms uh, the, the behavior he was yeah. displaying at the time i remember just going to school and hearing tale upon tale upon tale of things that he'd done things he'd he'd um, upset other people things he just wasn't conforming with um our family life was as you know was quite chaotic and stressful and um, we couldn't go anywhere really as a family because he would just create um, chaos doesn't even sort of touch it but it was really really difficult Mm. but he wasn't a bad child he wasn't bad he wasn't bad bad. there was no malice or intent to deliberately upset or create anything other than he was just like a little Duracell bunny that just couldn't stop, you know, and that was verbally with his behavior. He was completely disorganized, um, always forgot things, lost things, broke things. I mean, to be true, he's 13. It doesn't, hasn't really changed. It's just, you know, we understand it more now and it's sort of more adult kind of difficulties. And it should be said, he's a, he's a wonderful Oh, he's a wonderful young do you know, man. I we're, adore we're, extreme, him. we're extremely proud oh, we of him. We are so proud. He's of actually him. away in Dubai at the moment, doing hiking through the desert on yeah. safaris and things. But he, he he's not without some residual issues, shall we say, yeah. from, from ADHD, and he's fu- and he's fully aware of it as well. Yeah. But so David comes into our life when we're young. You're working in a school as a as a, a general classroom teacher, but with a love of the the kids who are a little bit on the outside, shall we say, yeah. a bit of peripheral. So did you re- realise or recognise fairly early on that that was your calling, that you you wanted to work with kids with yeah. what we now call special needs? I hate that term, but that's that's what it's yeah, called. Yeah, it did. Um, I, I, I did. I just had an affinity. I think you're right. It's the ones who just fit in on the outside. You know, it was always those children who are, polished and upfront and good at everything and you know those didn't excite me as much as the children who just needed a little bit extra or needed that little boost or needed that little 
needed a chance really it's almost like finding a little lost puppy (laughs) and you know wanting to help help you know it's almost wanting to help our vulnerable and wanting to help the children who who for whatever reason were just not finding it easy so yeah I did I had a natural affinity with those kind of children and what what was in place in the schools then and how has that changed over over the years for for kids who didn't quite fit in whether they were labeled special needs or whether they were behaviorally a little bit different a little bit on the outside and and what level of training did teachers have and how has that improved at all over the years as well well um so back then when i first started we didn't really know about things like autism dyslexia adhd um it was just children who were slow learners or naughty or um, disruptive you know and and lots of lots of negative terms negative labels there wasn't funding for any um, teaching assistant so I never taught with a teaching assistant it was pre-national curriculum so there was actually less stress there were also I don't ever remember being asked to give my planning in so I just thought on a Sunday what what shall I do for the next week so what, what do you mean by planning so now teachers have to um, they're given time within the school week to plan for their um, for future lessons for future lessons um, and there's a very strict curriculum that they have to follow so they they know what they have to teach for maths english science so we know exactly now um, what is told by the government that we have to teach but back in the 80s and 90s when I was a classroom teacher it was more or less before the national curriculum came in it was more or less up to us what we did which wasn't particularly good because there were some older people who didn't you know didn't cover the full curriculum um so it's a good it's it's much better that we've got the national curriculum but as far as special needs children went back in those days no, there was just no understanding, no support, well, no training, but you would be absolutely shocked if I told you today in 2018 how much training teachers actually got at Teacher Training College for special needs. It's a day. One whole day. One whole day for special needs. So special needs meaning they might get 30 minutes doing dyslexia, they might get 30 minutes doing autism, and then maybe the rest of the day they'd get for all the other things that a, a child could have. And that does special think. needs, that training, does that also embrace physical disabilities oh, as well as I, uh, learning I, I wouldn't. I, there's, no well, there's, no phys- there's no training for that at all. I mean, if you are in a school with a child with, say, cerebral palsy, you'd have to find out for yourself what that means. So there's zero training which is horrendous. So you were only you were in school up until um was it April of this year when you yeah, took when you yeah. took early retirement. Yeah. So it, just put you back if you if you can yeah. if you can bear it put yourself back in the classroom. Yeah. Um 6 months or or a year and you're you're seeing a child struggling and the parents are coming to you and they've got they can see there's problems manifesting in the school and the child's coming home unhappy and struggling or they're getting called into school was the school doing then to support you i mean because your school was actually a pretty good school wasn't yeah. it in, ter- in terms of support for children with special needs because they were they were labeled and earmarked as a special school yes. for that albeit a mainstream school 
Well, my particular school had a unit for children with with physical disabilities, but we had a great reputation for children with autism and learning difficulties, ADHD. So we had a great staff who really understood. And so nowadays, um, compared to when I first started teaching, teachers are, are, are more on board they're not as um, dismissive. They'll understand what special needs means. They'll understand that actually we need to change things up. We need to do things in a different way. However, we've got that knowledge. We know that we should be doing it. But in practice, because teachers are under so much stress, there's so many pressures. You know, a young teacher would come in in her 20s. She's had no training for anything other than how to teach reading, writing, science. And a young teacher will have 30 children. She's got a, they're all at different learning levels. They've all got different learning styles. And then you might have one child who has got, say, autism and is freaking out because of the sensory environment and will have a meltdown and she's got no idea how to support that child. So yeah, my school I worked at was brilliant because the management were really creative and they brought in a lot of extra bodies and we had lots of um, little support groups and areas and mentors and people that children can go and talk to, which is exactly what's needed. But I now hear of so many stories of so many schools that in 2018, we're still not getting it right. We know what we should be doing, but because staff are under the most enormous pressure and are not trained, it's just not happening. And the consequences, our children are suffering. And your role as an assistant SENCO, special educational needs coordinator, was to what? To ensure that the kids who under your care whether they had autism or ADHD or whatever were integrated properly into the the mainstream curriculum and into the class setting yeah so the role of a um a senko is just to ensure that there's good practice ensure that every child has access to a full curriculum and is included it doesn't mean that you have to teach everything to that particular child it means you have to adapt things and teach what is suitable so if they're doing multiplication and it's just not suitable for a child you you teach two add two add two add two so you you adapt to make it so that it is exactly right for that child so my role would have been to make sure that all assistants and all teachers knew how to include I'd give them the resources, I'd give them the skills, I'd give them the application of how to do it so that, yeah, so that it it took the pressure off the teachers because if, if everything was set up, then the children wouldn't freak out, they wouldn't flip out, they wouldn't refuse, they wouldn't uh, become rude or belligerent. You know, if everything was set up, then everything would be would be fine. So yeah, that was my role. And I guess that's part of the role because I suppose on the other the flip side of the coin the other part of your role was to liaise with the parents to ensure that they understood what was taking place in in the school setting yeah yeah I mean it's difficult being in education because you're almost like in a little bubble and it's only now I've come out of it I can just see what a closed bubble that was so it's very hard if you're not a parent of a child with difficulties 
to put yourself in their shoes. So, you know, we had children who were severely disabled, physically disabled. And I know that the parents then would have to go home, would have to hoist their child out of the the wheelchair, might have been even too heavy for the parent to to carry, Um, you know, bathe them, help them to get dressed, feed them. Some of my children were being fed through tubes through their tummy. And then do the homework and the reading. So it's really important that as a teacher you understand what the parents And do you think that's something through. that was that's lacking generally, not being specific to your school or anyone you've worked with, because I know that they're all good well-meaning teachers and educators, but do you think that's something that's lacking an empathy or an understanding of what goes on in the home when the child leaves the confines 100%, of the school? 100%. 100% because there's just no time. There's no time to talk there's no time you know the children come in in the morning and it's almost like before they've even taken their coat off it's bam straight into work so there is no very very little opportunity in the day for the teacher even just to say how was your weekend what what did you do how was your holiday you know it might be you know a passing statement and then at the end of the day what opportunity is there to speak to the families, to speak to the parents? Parents' evening, you get a 10-minute slot, and that slot normally is just to talk about the academic side. And if a parent hasn't got the vocabulary or the language or, or, or the desire to share anything that's happening at home, they're going to not share anything, you know? And I guess another thing in the area that you worked in, being um, it's not quite in a, in a London, but a, a multicultural mm. state school, is yeah. the multi-ethnicity, multicultural, yeah. and a lot, a lot of the parents, English isn't even their first language. Yeah. A, lot of the, a lot of the families come over from war-torn countries, mm. and they come over hoping to get a good education, which they, they yeah. do in a gen- generally, but in terms of kids with special needs, it's very different. They can't even explain to you half the time what's going on in their yeah. schools, yeah. Uh, in their homes. Yeah. And, you know, we, we have to be respectful of different different cultures, but but different cultures handle difficulties in a, in a different way. I try to set up a, a support group within the school and it was a fa- out of something like what 800 pupils I would get four parents turn up and and it wasn't because there weren't a huge amount of parents who could come but culturally people didn't talk about things in public Um, people couldn't didn't want to share their their problems so yeah so that 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 was that was a hard challenge for me just to break through that particular barrier so there's two there's there's so many problems here yeah. built into the system there's the problem with the training of the teachers there's the problem with the curriculum they're having to present to the children there's the problem with communication inside to out and outside mm. to in to the mm. parents and the, and the school there's there's so many different things going on here yeah. so frankly so when you stuck it out for so for so long but you yeah. did yeah at what point did you do you realize or did you say to yourself I really think I can provide a better service to these parents and these children yeah. by being outside of the system rather than being inside when when did the penny drop for you well the penny dropped and I and I and I I can picture it completely I was in a meeting with so we had a multi-professional meeting once a term so I chaired it with physio, OT, speech therapist, parents, um, me, class teacher, teaching assistant, and and 
quite often the child would come in as well and there was this one oh, particular good. meeting yeah that's <laughs> so nice like, so all these adults are talking <laughs> yeah. about the child and, and sometimes yes. the child comes in well I know, so, I'm yeah some, sometimes it's, it's it's appropriate and sometimes mm. when you're talking about something yeah. you know it's not appropriate but then the child would have come in at the end just to say is there anything else that you think we can help you with but this particular meeting there must have been about 12 people around the table and I just I think I alluded it to to it earlier. I just thought, look at all this support we're giving this child in school. This is incredible. You know, really, you know, because we were a first class school. It's Collindale Primary School. I mean, I don't mind singing no, their praises Colin, because Collindale Primary you know, School. We were an amazing school, and really, the child was completely at the centre, and everything we did, we did for the child. And then I just thought, and it was it was on the edge of the summer holidays, which is a long, long, long six weeks. And this was a particular child who had quite serious behaviour issues. And I just thought, oh, you poor mother, you are going to, I'm going to send you off for six weeks. And what on earth are you going to do? You know, and she, she didn't know she could access holidays or clubs or or um, support and she had no one to talk to she was a single mother and um, I just thought I'm not sure I want to be here anymore I think I'd rather do be outside the school so I can sort of give you some, that kind of support you know, with a different hat on so I think that was the point where I had suddenly thought hmm there's another way here hmm. I want to do something different and I think yeah that that was the time so you decided, um, I'm pleased to say with consultation with myself. <laughs> oh, yeah, and your loving support. <laughs> to to take early retirement. Yeah. Uh, how old are you now? 55. 55. So you couldn't take early retirement for pension reasons and so on and so forth until you well, turned 55, yeah. I believe. Yeah, well, you, you know how life is just weird and mm. bizarre and you just, things knock you on the head and you just think, oh my God. Well... As I said before, I had been sort of crying about this for about five years, just saying, oh, I'm not sure I can do this anymore. And I, it was last Christmas, so Christmas 2017, I just said, do you know what? I'm just going to phone up the pension office and just see when I could retire. And so I phoned them up and they said, oh, well, you could actually retire on your birthday, which happened to be April 2018. And then they said, so if you want to retire... When you go back after the Christmas holidays, you have to hand in your notice. Perfect. <laughs> Which was actually like a week after we were having this conversation. So basically, if we'd had this conversation five years earlier and said, well, let's let's give it a go and try and I, I leave, you know, I would have then said, oh, but I can't leave until I'm 55 and take take my early pension but something made me make that phone call last December. And they said, yep, just go for it. You know, you've got a week to make your mind up. Mm. So Having said that, you are, you are one of these people who has, has this vision, this yeah. belief that if you want to do something, you keep saying it and envisioning yeah, it. And then it will come true. It will come mm. to pass. But that's that goes back to your, your personality. So Well, you, you, I do believe, and I, and I don't think it's magic or any woo-woo stuff. I just believe if you have a picture in your head of something that you want to achieve, you're sort of almost like conspire your way to making it happen. And yeah, I so desperately wanted to leave work and we had to wait for my pension for me to be able to do it. 
So if I hadn't have made that phone call to the pension office, then none of this would have happened. So it it wasn't magic that that happened, but because I wanted it so much and I could sort of, I'd picked out my name for my company, which is Yellow Sun, you know, and I'd made the logo and everything. That's why I spoke about Sun, Sole, Soli at the beginning yes. being French for Sun. Yes. Which brings us neatly uh-huh. on to, so you take early retirement yes. at the April this year, April the 26th being your birthday if anyone yes. wants to send you a birthday card <laughs> next year. In fairness, it's an idea you'd been working on in your mind and thinking about and mm. planning mm. for, what, a year prior to that? Yes. But obviously not being able to take any action, serious action, because you were still working yeah, three I, days so a week. I, I did start doing Yellow Sun things uh, November 2015 um, and doing that alongside my my day job. So, yeah, I was working very hard on both things. So, Yellow Sun... Tell us about Yellow Sun, your intentions, your ambitions, the ethos, what you're hoping to achieve, what you have achieved. Because in, where are we now, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, six, six months on, so you're halfway through your first year. Yeah. What, what, have, you, what have you achieved so far? <laughs> what, are, what are your aims and goals and ambitions? Well, like anything in life, I started with one plan <laughs> and it sort of changed along the way. So my principal aim is to support and help families with ADHD. I am just so passionate. And the more I'm doing this, the more I just want to just change how the world views ADHD. So what I've done is I've now got some clients. So I I mentor them on a one-to-one and support them and give them real practical um, advice how how to get through a day, basically. Because when you've got a child... With ADHD, it is tricky. So that's one thing I do. I am also now a a Barnet advisor. So I'm now going into Barnet schools and delivering training on ADHD, which is great. Um, I've written a book called Five Reasons Why Most Schools Fail Your Child with Special Needs. I've written an online course. And I've put on some workshops. I've actually got a workshop uh, coming up um, in November 2018, which hopefully will be a success as well. Because so, so my principal aim is really just to change what is happening in the world um, and people's attitude towards ADHD. Oh, and I'm on a parliamentary APPG and I would all have reminded you if you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so it things are changing and people are coming and stepping up and saying, Yes, I've also got ADHD, which it is great. So is ADHD being recognized now as a as a proper diagnosed I don't want to say illness, what, what, what well, do you condition. call it? Condition. So so when David was first diagnosed many years ago, it was still thought of as like a naughty boy excuse for poor parenting or an excuse for having too much sugar or too many colored sweets and then going a bit hyper hyperactive but we now know and in the last five years it's just completely changed people's perception because we now know and there's scientific proof that it's a neurological condition so the neurons and I'm not a scientist, but I'll try and explain. So the neurons just don't fire correctly and they don't consistently get the right messages through to the right part of the brain. So it's the amygdala is continually in that 
fight, flight or freeze mode. And the children and adults are just not getting the messages to stop making them impulsive. And they are very, very inattentive or they could be hyperactive. We now know that lots of girls have the inattentive type. So they're not the typical running around being manic. They're more dreamy or and disorganized and very poor timekeepers and will just talk non-stop and flip from one topic to another. Um, so we know so much more about it. And yeah, it's just now not considered just to be, you know, those naughty boys who are throwing chairs. We know so much more and we can support and help people through, so children and, and adults. And I think we also know, and it's not often appreciated generally by, by the wider society, that ADHD also manifests in adulthood as well. It's not just a child children's disorder, although at oftentimes it does present badly as a child because you don't fit into your social circles and as an adult you can come to terms with it and maybe manage your behavior a little bit yourself yeah yeah so it's obvious at school because school is rubbish school is rubbish for our children who don't fit in because unless you can focus and concentrate and sit still and absorb a huge amount of spoken information our children do stick out that they're not completing the work, they're not sitting still, they're not lining up properly. So they are called out and they're shamed in front of lots of people. Um, So yeah, it's clear really at school which children do have ADHD. Um, However, you don't grow out of it. But as adults, adults will learn to manage it. So and they will choose the profession they go into. So they won't choose a profession where they've got to sit still or they won't choose a profession where they're going to get bored easily. I mean, our son has had nearly 60 jobs because he hasn't really been able to discover what it is that will stop him from being bored, will motivate him every day. I mean, as we talk, fingers very heavily crossed that he has found something. But so, yeah, as adults... Uh, and to be honest, if you're going to get any, if you're going to get ADHD, today is a great day to get it because we have so much technology. Um, there's apps, there's um, timers, there's um, calendars. We have you can put post-it notes everywhere to to help you. You can have something that will ping on your phone that will remind you to be somewhere. Um, you can set up all sorts of gadgets. Some people can't focus on reading so you can listen to an audible book you can listen to Alexa you can just shout at Alexa to order you something on Amazon you know so technology has made life for our children with ADHD and our adults much much easier however I then go back to the Victorian rubbish system of school because all these brilliant things that we could use technology to help our children we're so stuck in things that don't matter and take time in schools with stupid things like handwriting i think the the school curriculum is is another topic for for another day but we could could go on and on and on about how antiquated as you say Mm. victorian our our education system is not just for kids with special needs or, or, or any alternate needs shall we say kids in general i mean Mm. you know they don't teach you how to look after your money they don't really teach you emotional experiences they don't teach you 
a whole, you know, how to look after yourself. They don't teach you business skills. They don't teach you a whole range of things that you need in today's society. As you say, you know, reading, writing and arithmetic. Well, the, the jobs of today when the kids are there yeah. won't, won't be there when they come out of school in yeah. a couple of years time. The well, I remember us, pace. sorry, I remember us going to um, a lecture many years ago and them saying to us, your children will do jobs that we haven't even thought about yet. Yeah. And then fast forward to today, you know, our children are doing YouTube. And in um, fact, the job that our yeah. David has just started. Yes, yes, which, yes. Which is an Uber-like based app for hairdressers, which yeah. is what he is. He's a, he's a qualified stylist. W- wouldn't have been around no. a couple of years ago. Yes. So that absolutely, you know, yeah. fits, fits yes. the description. And there. I remember your um, interview with Jamila um, and, and quite a few of your interviews. They all have said how school wasn't the thing for them. You know, successful people who have made something of their lives, it's despite school, it's not because of school. So it does need to change. Yeah. And, in, and in fact, another guest I had on uh, recently, um, Alex Lloyd, yeah, who specialises in um, the psychology of, of, of um, youth justice, uh, criminal justice yeah. for, for, for youth offenders, uh, and the reasons and whys and wherefores why the kids get into, uh, unfortunately, into the, the criminal justice system. He's quite clear on the evidence, and he's evidence-based researcher, that kids who end up incarcerated or in, in trouble with the law at a very young age, the vast majority of them have some form of either mental health or learning emotional behavioral problem. Yeah. yeah. And ADHD and autism and across the spectrum are mm. precursors to, yeah. if it's not managed properly, ending up in behind bars quite yeah. possibly or, or committing horrible crimes. Well, the government have just published figures and it's between 60 and 70% of people who are in young offender institutes are um, children who have got some kind of special needs. So 70%, yeah. that's and just And the cost crazy. to society and the, yeah. the financial cost of getting that right yeah. is huge. So some cost at the front end to make sure the kids are educated and taught and looked after properly is absolutely vital. Yeah. So... Good on you for doing what you're Thank doing, you. doing, doing what you're you. doing. Mm. How have you found the transition from school where you're, as you said before, working in a bubble when you're being paid monthly irrespective of performance, I guess, because you've got to be pretty shocking to get the boot from a local authority. You weren't bad. You were an excellent teacher. <laughs> you. you got dozens and dozens of wonderful <laughs> testimonials. And But how have you made the transition from working in that closed environment to getting out there and running, in effect, you know, a small startup business? It's both exhilarating, exciting, and bloody scary. Do you know you know when you do something and you know you have made the right decision? Mm. Sorry, see I'm getting emotional again. It is it there is no part of my body that feels that I've made the wrong decision. Even when you were sitting for three and a half hours in traffic yesterday on the yeah. way to a, yeah, well, a meeting of educators. Yeah, twenty five. <laughs> you know, th- this has actually just given me the freedom to to do my passion and to do something I just so believe in. I just, you know, we've 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 had a few stories of people who have died much too young. And I just think life is just too short to be doing anything that makes you unhappy. And as long as you can do it, as long as financially you can do it, I just say go for it. Go for it. You know, if, if you've got a dream, you've got a passion and you really, really want to go for something, just do it. Because, you know, 
I was in that school for nearly, well, 27 years, I think 25. I, I'm not even sure because I lost count. And I, and I was very, very happy there. But I might have been there till I was 70, you know, and because time just, you just sort of click your fingers and it's gone. You know, so, a year's gone, a week goes, you know, just like that. I, you know, and I know so many people who are unhappy in their work. And I just say to them, well, just do something different then. As long as what what the different thing is means you can afford to pay your mortgage and pay your bills and, and live, life is just too short. You know, if you want to go and work in a flower shop, go and do it. If you want to go and be a writer, you know, go and do it. Do do the thing that makes you happy. You've also noticed that when you, when you do, if you like, spread your wings and go it alone and yeah. push, push the boundaries a bit, yeah. that opportunities do present themselves in yes. ways which you wouldn't necessarily expect. Yes, yes. And I think even recently you had a, the possibility of something pretty significant, which you're yeah, so... concerned about talking about, but I don't <laughs> see why. No, so when you've got more time to focus on the things that, that you really, really want to do, yeah, I think you're right. I think the more people you talk to, the more people you meet, I'm not really a great networker. I believe more in just going to... Well, you say you're not, but uh, I think you're probably underplaying that. Okay. I think you're an excellent networker without even realising it. Well, maybe... Maybe I, I'm very good now at just going up to people and just saying what it is that I want. And um, yeah, I've sort of lost, lost you know, and I can't believe that I do it now. But I have sort of lost that fear of, oh, I don't think I should do that. Because now I just think, well, what the hell? What What's the worst that can happen? They'll just say no. So I do tend to, yeah, just, just ask people for things. Um, so I did send um, a fly email um, to be cast for a, a new TV program, so I don't know how that's going to go in America. In America, so LA. I do. <laughs> yeah, so I just think, do you know what? Just go for things because you just never know. You should never should say know. that it is in this sphere that you're working. Oh in. yeah, it is yes, in uh, the, yeah. the, the, the area of parenting. But look, so, I just think I I've also got the the mindset as well that you know, we should just have fun and we should just try things and just see what happens, you know, and try different experiences and go and visit different places and take up a new hobby. But that also applies as well as that applies to you in your life that also you've also put that principle into effect for the for the kids when you're working in in school and today that is so important for the children to have fun yes in and part of their learning experience yes I mean you 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 helped organize some of the away day trips oh I loved that that was do you know that that for me was the defining moment where I just thought I've got to get out of here because I used to um, accompany children on the outward bound school journey and so the children who were struggling in the class were invariably out in the field, out swinging through the trees were the leaders and the ones who had these great personalities and the ones that could problem solve. 
but then you know we'd then have a great week and they'd flourish and they'd be amazing and then we'd go back in the classroom and again they'd be sitting there head down cross angry I feel stupid you know and feel all these negative emotions and I just you know my dream really is just to set up a school where children are just learning through being outdoors and having fun and but you did um, you did ensure that you that you took a certain amount of kids who had learning yes. and physical disabilities yes. on these outbound courses and they had a wonderful time yeah didn't they? yeah so we always sort of try to in really encourage those children to yeah. come along and go to yeah. the theater at christmas for chicken oh, yes. shed yeah, well, yeah so you forget Gosh, all the one i have forgotten all these things i do yes chicken shed is wonderful yeah. so the other thing because talking about you know doing lovely things but one of the other things that i also encourage my families that i now support is that when, when you're a parent of a child with difficulties, you can get so stressed and so bogged down in it and so um, consumed by all the negatives that are happening. And there are negatives because quite often parents are having to fight and battle. But I think it's really important in the midst of all that, that you look after yourself, you know, as a parent, don't feel guilty about just getting a babysitter and going out and don't feel guilty about going up and having a bubble bath or don't feel guilty about taking singing lessons or going to the cinema in the middle of a day if you've got a spare hour you know we have to replenish ourselves because if we feel like we're on our knees and you've got a headache and you're stressed and you know we're just not going to have the strength to deal with our children so it's really important that we we fill up our cup uh, because you can't pour from an empty cup so you have to be strong very true and with that in mind you're also putting on a retreat I believe next year for... I am putting on a retreat so this is one of my other I've got so many things you see this is this is it now you see because I have got time I can, I've just got a book and I just, fit, as I think of an idea, I turn over a page and I get my coloured pen out and I just think, oh, it'd be quite exciting to do this. And I just think, wow, I've got the time to organise it. How wonderful it. is that? Yeah, because oh, it's so brilliant. Without having to go to a business manager or the head teacher or Yeah, and just say, of, would you mind? Senko, yeah, yeah, can we yeah. fund the, oh no, we can't yeah, do exactly. that. No, no, there's exactly. not a budget for that. No, exactly. It's wonderful. So I'm trying to make this happen. So this is going to be a retreat for just mums it's going to be for 15 mums you can give it a um, plug because i think this is going to come out well, well before the uh so well, when I, is the retreat well, likely to be it's in march 2019 so it's in a beautiful place called hitchin priory just beautiful grounds it's sort of really um lush and um, i'm going to have some great um speakers and some lovely treats um so yeah i mean we're still in the planning stages because i've got other things coming up before then but yeah it's going to be nice fantastic well you've clearly got a huge amount on your plate and the feedback that i've seen you get from parents and from from children you've been helping and from the wider community has been fantastic how can people find out more about you or get in contact with you either through social media or website or email give 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 the contact well details. i've got sort of a hub where everything is based and it's um i do love a hub can't beat a hub <laughs> what's your hub my hub is um so it's solly s-o-l-i then a little hyphen and then lazarus.com um do you want to spell that L-A-Z-A-R-U-S 
dot com and that is um so the as I say the hub and I've I write a blog so I try and do one blog post a week. Um I've got some Facebook groups, a page, Twitter, so that it, it can all be found didn't, on that. You didn't even that mention that you have a monthly gathering of oh, mums yes. called your Warrior Mums. My you meet warrior up one, mums. once a month. Yeah, so we meet in a hotel in Borehamwood in Hertfordshire. Um and that's great because when our son was little and um, our, we were going through what we went through, all our friends just seemed to have perfect children, you know, and, and you know, people had family friends that, you know, everybody went on holiday together. And I just, I remember just thinking, how do you do that? You know, how is that possible? And it was lonely for us, wasn't it? It was, it, it wasn't, wasn't. But so I think it's so important to meet up with other people who are experiencing similar things. So it's a support, support. It's a support group, really, where you give some training and you come along and have a coffee once a month yes. and, and get together. Yeah, yeah, and we share experiences and uh, yeah. And so I that's all on this, all on your hub. It's all on my hub. All on your hub. Yes, yes. And you also do. So I'm trying to remind you of all the things <laughs> you do. You also have a weekly Q and A. Yes, on Facebook. Yeah. So on my, I've got a Facebook closed group, so people can ask questions and it won't appear so anywhere. So how do people access the Facebook group? If you drop me an email, I will send you that link. And, and there's my several emails. hundred people in that group. I yeah, believe, yes. Um, and I've, I've also got a yellow sun page, which you can find that on my website, on my hub, Solly Lazarus. But so I, I think if I was going to sum myself up, <laughs> I am just so super, super fired up just to spread the word that ADHD is not anything to be to be feared it's not anything to be embarrassed about it it won't hold you back in fact it's a gift because we know our lovely gorgeous children with ADHD have got a gift of seeing the world in a different way how many successful people are there out in the world who do you know well anybody who knows me knows apart from you being my number one man my number two man or fan man (laughs) you're my number (laughs) Number one one. who's number two (laughs) number two is Robbie Williams okay can't compete I'm afraid (laughs) well you do you do but so Robbie yes has ADHD we know Jim Carey recently Richard Bacon really delighted that oh I'm going to forget this guy's name but there's an MP a Scottish MP who has just recently said that he's got ADHD so more and more you know it's good for our our children to have role models because so much at school they're made to feel like the dumbest laziest naughtiest child at school so it's good for them to know do you know what this is not it's not a life sentence it's not not something that is going to hold me back it's something that I can use and be successful well I think in closing just for me to say a how proud I am of (laughs) you and what you've achieved in such a short space of time thank you your hub and all the spokes that come (laughs) off the hub and all the things that you've got going on and are juggling at the moment the work that you've done with all the parents and the children and in the wider community um i see all the, the thanks and the compliments and the testimonials which you people can check out on the uh, the hub as well <laughs> um so just Thank keep you. up the good work Thank keep, you. keep the solly smile <laughs> sunshine burning bright and mm. um we'll see you 
We'll see you very soon. <laughs> in fact, I'll see you in a second. So thank you very okay, much for being. Thank um, you and thank you. Keep the, up this impossible. great work with your Lon- your London legacy. I know so many people are getting such great value from listening to oh, all you. your all all your episodes, and you're a natural. Thank you very much. Okay, mutual loving. Love you. <laughs> Love you.